pay attention to your personal time, to your personal well-being. Reevaluate your goals so that you keep kind of everything in sight. Recognize that sometimes you might put something off, but it doesn't mean that when you're ready to pick it up, it will just fall into place. And welcome to the Millennial Health Podcast. I'm Dr. J. Cherie Allen, a board-certified family physician who's passionate about the health of my fellow millennials. I know we're booked and busy, but your first wealth is your health. So I'm taking some of my most important health messages and bringing them here to you on this podcast. My goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health topics, but I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. So today on the Millennial Health Podcast, we are joined by Dr. Monique Rainford. She's an obstetrician and gynecologist. She's an author, and we're going to talk a lot about her book. She's a blogger, she's a TEDx speaker, and a lifestyle medicine advocate, and just all around a wonderful person to have a nice chat with. Dr. Rainford, welcome to Millennial Health. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure talking with you today. Awesome. So we started chatting before we hit record and we had to stop because the conversation was getting too juicy. So we need to put some of that in the podcast. But let's just give our audience a little context, backtrack a little and talk a little about your journey, your career, your life, how you got to the point you are uh, now. And typically I interview doctors and that's one of the ways that we connected and met. So how'd you get to that point? So I actually knew I was going to be a doctor from about seven years old. And it started because I had a little accident. I burst my chin, jumping up and down on the bed. And I remember my parents taking me to what we would call an urgent care now. And the doctor who sold me up was so kind and caring. And he gave me a coin. Um, This was in Jamaica. It was a 50 cent coin. And that was a lot of money back at that time. And that really was impactful on me. And then I had a female pediatrician who I admired, and she also made a big impact on me. Later on in high school, I explored different things, got excited about potentially different careers, considered law, um, considered like translating. I used to enjoy languages, but a very well, actually, my favorite teacher died. And um, because of that, it redirected me into medicine. I still thought I was going to be a pediatrician who also cured cancer. <laughs> but ultimately, my experience in medical school on the rotation of obstetrics and gynecology led me, a very powerful experience led me to make the decision to be an obstetrician and gynecologist. And... In what different areas have you worked since graduating from residency and kind of getting to the point you are now? Because usually our careers take different paths, right? So we have some clinical work, some administrative work, some you're a speaker, an author. How did all that kind of evolve? I have worked in 
practically every aspect of obstetrics and gynecology I'd like to see. I had a private practice for many years, more than 10 years. I also have worked in the equivalent or community health centers or FQHC. I've worked both as a providing clinician and both and in leadership in those positions. I've worked as a hospitalist, uh, obstetric laborist kind of obstetrician, mm-hmm. um, not just laboring roles, but consulting with the emergency room. And uh, most recently, also another leadership um, position, clinical and leadership position in obstetrics and gynecology. So I've really had a very broad view of what there is out there in in obstetrics and gynecology. So you managed to nail down the career really well. Professional life check. (laughs) And then you got into your mid-30s and from your book started writing that, okay, now where's the personal life? Where is Mr. Right? Where are the kids? Especially being an OBGYN where you're helping other women to become mothers, right? It's a when's your turn. And so that led you to writing the book, Please God, Send Me a Husband. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so I, it's not that I wanted to ever get married early. I was fine getting married in the late 20s, early 30s. But I expected the process would have been easier. Professionally, my life kind of at the time was going right on track and expected meeting a life partner would be easy, but it just was not, was not at all. And sometime along the way, shortly before I met my husband, actually, it was really kind of a low moment and I said, why why am I going through this? There must be a purpose. And then that's when I had the inspiration to write the book, like well before I actually wrote it, because I felt like there must be a reason, a purpose why I'm going through this experience and how could this experience or is this experience meant to help other women who will go through similar experiences? So that is why I got the urge, the idea to write the book. Before that, though, I wrote another book because I was practicing private practice to make at the time. And I really wanted to write this book. Please God send me a husband. I didn't have the name at the time. And a a close friend said, well, you don't have to write just one book. And so at the time I wrote another book. It was called The Maternal Glow, A Jamaican Woman's Guide to Pregnancy. And I wrote that before I wrote, please God send me a husband. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Two times, uh, author. We've got a third book coming. I manifested for you. (laughs) But I'd like to talk about uh, Please God Send Me a Husband because a lot of us as millennial women are in this phase of life, right? Really focusing on the careers, getting the degrees, working our way up, you know, whether it's the corporate or academic ladder. And then you stop and you turn around and you're like, oh, okay, I'm a little older than I think. I'm growing a little faster than I thought, you know, especially when you're pursuing these careers and it's kind of like a tunnel vision uh, sort of thing that we have going on. You know, so what advice do you have for women who are going through that process now, um, especially as millennials? So the very late 20s, 30s, very early 40s. I would say 
and this is easier said than done, pay attention to your whole life as you're living your life. I can't pretend I was tunnel vision. I always had the concept. I liked having a social life. I liked going out. I knew I wanted to get married. But at the same time, I was in a career that had me working nights and weekends, and that was always very demanding. So whether I liked it or not, a lot of my time was spent at work, even if I used a little time for fun and going out. And so what you find is that millennials, you all are in very demanding careers that take a lot of time. And so by default, even if it's not intentional, your career takes a lot of your time. But in the midst of that time, pay attention to your personal time, to your personal well-being. Reevaluate your goals so that you keep kind of everything in sight. Recognize that sometimes you might put something off, but it doesn't mean that when you're ready to pick it up, it will just fall into place. And there are other things like, to be quite honest, as women, we have real fertility issues after a while. We have real time spans or fertility does not last forever. And we might be ready and our fertility isn't there anymore. So you, you do want to have a broad view of that. You do want to consider that. You do want to discuss with your obstetrician and gynecologist about those needs. If you find yourself getting older, and I would say you can have this conversation from maybe, you know, your thirties, you're getting older and you don't see a partner, but you know, you want children. Keep all those considerations in mind as you go on the journey, because you can't necessarily just pick up where you left off. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But of course, if you pay no attention to that aspect of your life, and then all of a sudden you expect it to be perfect when you've ignored it all along, well, life doesn't necessarily happen that way. Things need to be nurtured. Relationships need to be nurtured. Your relationship skills need to be nurtured. If you want to be a partner of someone someday, how are you developing yourself? Not just for to be a partner, obviously, but just developing yourself in general, your whole person, so that you will bring something special to a relationship if you want somebody special to come into your life. So always pay attention to those things as you go along the journey. I love that you touched on the fertility piece because I think that is one major thing we don't talk about enough at all. You know, and I'm thinking of my upbringing with my grandmother who just gets your education. You know, she's Jamaican too. Gets your education, take up your book, you this, you this, you this. And I felt we never had those conversations about there is a, a point in time where you do need to think about, do you want to have children of your own? And what will that look like? And I really think this is a conversation that we should start having earlier and uh, be a little more honest about it. Even just learning things like, you know, one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage. Like th that is, that's 20, almost 25%. That's such a crazy number, you know, to even think of that. And thankfully there are a lot of people like uh, Chrissy Teigen just shared her story. Meghan Markle shared her story. And, you know, we're starting to you know, break down some of the barriers, some of the walls and some of the stigma in talking about some of this. But I, I do think we're missing these conversations sometimes until it's too late, unfortunately. So I love you talked about that. Yeah. And the fact is the miscarriage risk is not as high when you're younger. But of course, when we talk about professional women, you get to your mid thirties and 
and early 40s, that's when it gets high. And that's the time that you really want a baby now and you know you don't have a lot of time. So, mm-hmm. yes, I do think the conversation should start earlier. I, I do think it's helpful to keep it in mind. And perhaps, you know, you didn't hear about it from, say, your grandmother because that just wasn't a thing. That part probably happened a little more easily for them. The career part was mm-hmm. a hard part. So they'll focus on the stuff that was difficult for them and they want you mm-hmm. to get. They don't really think of that because they don't realize it could have been an issue or should be an issue, but it so is, especially for professional women, because many are looking for a man who's also a professional man. Then you have to think, okay, am I comfortable with a man who's not a professional man? Because your best partner may not be professional in the same way you are. However, you have to open yourself up to those possibilities. Uh, am I comfortable with somebody in a totally different field? Am I comfortable with somebody of another race? Now, all those things that you have to kind of open yourself up to and open yourself up to those questions and also those opportunities. Because mm-hmm. if you open yourself up, it really does allow you more opportunities, more options. Yes, love that. I want to quote you for a second from your book because I appreciate your honesty and transparency in saying this, and then I'll explain why. So you said, I had a burning desire to be married, but the right man just was not coming my way. Why was God making me wait so long? Why did he even put some of these bad choices in my path? Where was the right one? I think in our uh, generation, you know, we have swung the pendulum, and I think really well, in the direction of independence, of obtaining your education, being able to provide for yourself, securing your own economic freedom. Um, I love that we have done all of those things. It opens the world up for us. But I think in doing some of that, we're also afraid to admit some other things in life that we still want that are perfectly okay. Like, why can't I say so boldly, as you have in this book, I have a burning desire to be a wife and to be married to an amazing partner and I want to have a successful career as a physician. Why do we have such a hard time putting those things together? I think many women are shamed for admitting that part of it. I remember when I wrote this book and the title came out in one of the various things I wrote on and, you know, there are comments like, well, why do you think God will answer that prayer? And, you know, very cruel comments. And I was already married, so it, it didn't kind of hurt in the same way. But I just think about if that was a woman who was not yet married and looking for that, that's cruel. That is cruel to say those comments. That is cruel to minimize a woman's desire to be married any more than you should minimize a woman's desire to be single. You know, either choice are great choices. It is an individual choice. And we should not, and we do, but we should not judge a woman's choice to do one or the other in a negative way. So it was important for me. I felt that if I wanted to relate to the women I was hoping to reach, I had to be open with that. That was something that is important to me. I can tell you my daughter who is 10, 
is not terribly interested in marriage. She may change her mind, but she isn't. I'm kind of glad for that because I'm glad that she doesn't feel that she has to go that route. I'm glad she realized that there are other options, you know, but I wanted that. And I knew I wanted that. And I knew it was important for me. And I wondered why I had to wait. And the truth is, we'll have bad choices placed in front of us, but we don't have to choose it. And so we actually have to use our powers to kind of reject certain choices or accept certain choices. But that being said, it really comes from a place of like, trusting that it will happen at the right time. Because if you like lack that faith, that trust, then you'll grab up any choice because you think, well, this is the last lifeboat, <laughs> you know, just not, mm-hmm. you know, it is the last <laughs> option is the only option. But no, if you know somebody is a bad option, they are never an option and they will, a bad option will never become good. And so just kind of having the courage to reject negative options and be open to potential positive options, but not looking at every person you meet as an option necessarily, just as a person you meet. Yes. We actually spoke about this before we started recording. And I think that's a really good one. You know, I talked to some of my single girlfriends now who are in this phase, right? Where's Mr. Right? Where's the right one? Or, you know, one from the past didn't work out. Maybe we have a chance again, that sort of thing. And I'm like, no, you know, um, I'm married now and I love being married. I talk about my husband all the time. If I wasn't married to him, I would say the exact same things about him. Um, I like admire who he is as a person. Like he is a great human being, like, you know, and I'm honored to be able to share a life with him. You know, I, I think very, very highly of him. And I talk about him all the time. And I say that, but I think one of the things I should have probably done a little better in my single days was enjoying the phase of being single, much to the point you just made, not always wondering, is this guy the one? Is he going to be the, is this date going to be, you know, like just, just go on a date and eat the good food, (laughs) (laughs) accept the gift, (laughs) you know, just, it's okay to, to not put everyone through an interview of like, is this my potential husband? Is this the future? Is this? No, just enjoy the moment in life that you're in. Just as now I'm married and I'm really enjoying this period of my life of being married to this person, you know? So that's one thing that I really thought of when I read that. (laughs) And that is so true. And that's what I realized after the fact. I did enjoy my single phase, but I could have enjoyed it so much more if I wasn't caught up with trying to find the right person and want to be married. I remember, you know, I remember something, and I think it's silly. If a a guy wanted to take me out to lunch, for example, and I wasn't interested, I felt I had to pay because I wasn't interested. No, if he wants to take me out to lunch, I need to go, sure, he can treat, why not? Just because I can afford it. (laughs) He wants to take me out and I'm gracing him with my company. So if he wants to pay, that's fine. You know, and just that kind of like not feeling obligated to be interested in everybody who expresses interest with you or thinking it has to go somewhere. It just puts too much pressure on every single experience that you have. And it actually subtracts from the full joy that you can have in every single experience that you have. And when I think of my relationship, my husband and I have been married for, was it 15 
is it 16? Like, you know, about 15 years right now. I'm just kind of counting the years. And we before just wouldn't have been a good time. And I realized that we, I mean, we didn't meet before. We actually got married within 11 months of meeting. So it was pretty quick. But that being said, we, neither of us probably would have been ready for each other if we met before. And so the time you need is the time you need. And yes, there are some times, and I can say this, that women may have good men placed in front of them that they could have life partners that they reject, probably for the wrong reasons. So we can actually pass up good opportunities. And we want to not do that, right? On the other hand, we don't want to hold on to bad circumstances, stay with the wrong person that we know is wrong because we're afraid of letting go and being by ourselves. So kind of just being open, enjoying experiences more, valuing yourself to know when you need to leave, when something is not right for you, or being selfless enough to stay even when it's difficult. If you truly believe that, that relationship is worth saving and being patient with the other person because none of you are perfect. You're not going to be the perfect wife and your husband is not going to be the perfect husband. But is he a good person? You talk about your husband being a good person. I believe my husband is a good man who I actually like, you know, I like as a person. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, women can be dating guys that, you know, they are incredibly attracted to, but they don't like them so much. You really want to mm-hmm. like the person you're with, not just love, but like them as well and and be proud of them and be proud of who they are and ad- admire them in the ways you've described that you admire your husband. Because if you just don't like them or you're embarrassed with them or your friends don't like them, th- those are just not good signs. <laughs> so true. I think of, um, I went to hear Michelle Obama speak when her book came out and she was going on the book tour. And that's one of the things she talked about. I loved how honest she was in the book, um, but also on the book tour talking about her marriage and the journey through that, going to therapy at some points and not giving up when things were rough and, you know, hanging in there, even times where she felt, you know, her husband traveled quite a bit for work. So she was home with the girls and trying to balance a career. So I love that you said that you added that other part, you know, know when to walk away, but know when it's also worth it to stay. I love that. So I have one final question for you. So you wrote this book in 2015, and we have had a major uh, life-changing event um, since then, hashtag COVID-19, and it's impacted relationships in so many ways. I think I was reading one of the Jamaican publications and saw that the divorce rate in Jamaica has like increased significantly since the start of the pandemic, and I think I've heard similar things here um, as well. So the pandemic, you know, has strengthened some relationships, caused the demise of some others. But I want to know if you were writing this book again now with this experience that we've just recently had, what additional um, advice would you add to the book? So, you know, I wrote it in 2015, like it published in 2015, had a second edition in 2017. And I'm thinking about it and I'm not so sure. I think because, you know, I talk about little things like red flags. You know, I talk about little things to make it work. And I think people are either leaving relationships for 
two basic reasons, which I said before. Either they probably shouldn't have been there and they should have left before or they're giving up too easily. And it's one or the other. And we're in a much more instant gratification world where we expect to, things to fall into place and expect things to be perfect. And if you are truly committed to your relationship and you do think you made a good choice in a relationship, and we don't always make a good choice the first time, but if you do, then you need to put in effort and patience and recognize that Walking away, and I know that is not necessarily easy, but that sometimes is an easy out for some people instead of putting the work to stay. At the same time, sometimes women do go in to the wrong choice, and it is not healthy for them to stay in the wrong choice. So I am not sure what I would add, to be honest, but I think just kind of carefully reviewing it, you know, looking through the book and just kind of pondering the lessons is a pretty short book, pondering the lessons, pondering the advice and kind of applying it to your situation. If you're single, definitely apply it beforehand. And if you're married and you think you're in the right relationship, and hopefully you are trying to apply some of the lessons of making your relationship work. I love that. Dr. Rainford, thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find the book? Where can we buy it? So it is on Amazon. It can be the digital edition or actual hard copies. My website is there, www.moniquerainford.com. And it's actually readily available on other sites. I think Barnes & Noble, multiple other sites. I think it's relatively easy to find. It is the second edition. I'm not distributing the first edition, so that's readily available. And um, it is out there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Allen. My pleasure to be here. It was really nice speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Millennial Health Podcast. Though my goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health issues, I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. I hope this information was beneficial to you. And if so, please subscribe to the Millennial Health Podcast and share with your friends. Please also leave us a review. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Dr. J. Sheree, D-R-J-A-Y-S-H-E-R-E-E.